Hello and welcome to the Blockbuster Hall of Fame. We have just watched a riveting movie starring Heath Ledger. Uh, we talked about it a little last week. We were like, oh, I'm ready to watch this. I'm ready to watch this. Guess what? We watched A Knight's Tale. What a movie. What a movie. Guys, quick thoughts, please. Uh, make them quick. We'll go in depth later. I know there's a lot to talk about with the movie. Um, so, quick thoughts, Seth. Start us off. I I love this movie. Like I said in the last podcast, it's my favorite Heath Ledger movie, even with Dark Knight on the table, and that still stays true after watching it for, like, the 15th time. Ray? Man, I, I show this movie during finals every year. You know, when we have, like, an hour or two hours left in class because I teach seniors and we're done early. And they always start off on their phone. And then after, like, 20 minutes, they're all watching this movie. And they're not on their phone. And it this movie holds up. It's a good time, man. Jordan? Man, this movie is fun and grabs me right off the bat with the great, like, musical intro and then we'll, we will we will rock you for a night's movie and i just love it man <laughs> yeah so we're actually going to talk a little bit about um the music as it goes into this movie there are some other movies that are like period pieces that play more modern music so we're actually going to get in depth on that and we're actually going to talk about period pieces at large so uh ray you missed last week so we didn't really go in depth about keith ledger we wanted to wait till you got back so you are back in-depth talk guys so i know last week we brushed it over now we're diving right in ray start us off in-depth heath ledger heath ledger talk i think you guys hinted at it last week but heath ledger walked so Chris Hemsworth could run, right? <laughs> Heath Ledger, like, as great as Hemsworth is, Ledger is just more dynamic. He can do more roles, as he's shown in a short career. Like, he's he's not just Charm City, which he can be, but he's he's just so good in everything he does. And I don't know, man. I just, it, it sucks that he's gone. Watching his movies now, it's like, man, what could have been? Like, what could have been? Like, his career, he could have... I don't know. Like, do you guys? Uh, this is I don't. hundred percent. hundred percent. I see him. He would have definitely been a Marvel superhero character. I think you... he would have. I think he would have gone like he would. He would definitely be in like the the Fantastic Beast movies or something. Or so, like I don't know. Like I'm not saying he should be. I'm just saying I don't know if he would be a Marvel Fantastic Beast. What? Oh yeah. I do, I see him playing like a role in that movie, but I don't see him in Marvel. Oh I mean, no, like man! Cool. Marvel's all about the charming characters, and they would have snatched him up quickly. Yeah, no, I think that the actor that he, he is, he would have done done it unless. Well, obviously, actually, I kind of take that back because if he were still alive, DC would have probably not let him go. <laughs> They would have found some kind of way to like make no. him. The, I'm look, sorry. The Dark no. Knight Rises would be a different movie. No, that's true. But DC definitely would have let him go because he's good. And there's no way DC would hold on to good people. That's not what they do. They hold <laughs> on to the other people. Uh, the people they shouldn't hold on to. We, we've already established that. We know he would not be with DC at this moment in time if he was still alive. But I will I say, Ray. Okay. I'm sorry. What? No, I was no, going to say, ahead. Ray was right, though. Like, because if you look at, like, when I'm looking at his movies that he did 
I'll be honest with you. For as much love as I have for the man and his the roles that I've seen him in his movies, there's not a lot of movies where I'm like, oh, I want to see that. Or that one, oh, that looks really good. I really think he was, and one of the biggest tragedies about this is he was just hitting his stride and truly doing those breakout roles where we were about to see him really explode and do a lot of really good movies. Because, like, you know, Ray talks about it. You know, he is a, I think he's a more dynamic Hemsworth type of person because he can do more roles. He can do, you know, the utterly terrifying, creepy Joker and then the 90s teen comedy love interest, you know. And then we see him in this movie where he's doing, I'm not sure absurd's the right word, but maybe slight, slightly off kilter, but role that works really well. And in this one. Yeah. Well, we, we were, I think we were really, we really, what we lost was a guy who was just hitting his stride into truly hitting like his true potential for movies and stuff. What like you do with any young person who loses their life or younger star that loses their life. And so even uh, with him, with this last movie, the Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus is like a out there movie. It's so weird. And then when you watch him in that movie, you're like, wait, you, you played in this movie. This was you. And he actually wasn't bad. He was good, but that's like, he was also dealing with those issues um, when he was recording the movie. So he wasn't his entire self, but you got the gist of it. You got the gist of like, Hey, you can put this guy in any role and I can make it work. Yeah. Jordan, talk about some of your favorite um, movies. I know we hinted at last week a little bit. Like, dive into it. Like, again, uh, guys, for me, another one that I like, I'm, I'm iffy with the movie, but I thought he did a great job in, and no one's brought up right now, The Patriot, where he oh, plays the oldest movie. son on, and then, uh, the oldest son. And, oh, he does such a good job of just just emoting with his eyes a lot of times. I just feel like he captures you with those eyes, and it's just like, wow, okay. That's cool. That movie uh, is a Hall of Famer. <laughs> the, the uh, another paper. one that I like, it's another one that it's like, it's iffy, but I feel like he does a great... I think what I like about him is like, you'll get, he'll, he gets parts in a, in a movie that it's just like, Oh, he made it work just because of how good he was. And one of those is The Four Feathers, where he plays... Say what? I haven't seen that. I've never already heard of that. Yeah, that one was... uh, It's the British... uh, Around, like, uh, 1870, I want to say, in the British military. And uh, his unit goes to war, and he goes to propose to his wife, and so then he leaves his unit right where... Uh, he's going to war, and so then his friends, and uh, spoiler a bit for the movie, but his wife also gives him one of the uh, feathers, and the feathers represent like your betrayal to the unit. Right, and, you're good. This is the plot of the movie. Yeah. He didn't spoil anything by saying that. Like, it's, <laughs> a book, it's based on a book. He, yeah. That's literally in the trailer. You're good. And so, have any of y'all watched the movie The Brothers Grimm with him and... Uh... Matt Damon, I think that's who that is. Unfortunately. Ray, have you seen The no, Brothers Groom? I remember it came out when I was at the age. I was like, this isn't good enough for me to go see. <laughs> I'm going to say, as, You're bad still in the right as, age, as it bad as it was, he was actually good in the movie. He made it like watchable. He made me get through it when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, I don't know about watchable, but he did, he did do good in it. 
Yeah, he did well. So I mean, again, I've only watched it uh, once. <laughs> um, as a kid, I had it on DVD. My mom thought it would be a great purchase, and I watched it, and I was like, "Mom, this is a bad purchase." <laughs> but yeah, no. So you just like again, we talked about it last time. You look over his filmography. He hops in these movies, and he's just like, "Oh man, you're really good." Like. I even forgot that he was in the Patriot, but you're right. He was so good in the Patriot. And then uh, have you, we talked about Lords of Dogtown last week as well. So, I mean, man of many talents, what could have been. So what we're actually going to do now is talk about what role would you love to see him in now? What is the number one role you would love to see him take right now if you were alive? Is it cheating to say Thor? <laughs> no, yeah, it's not. No, it's not. But he wouldn't do Thor. He he wants roles that no, like, no, are no, challenging. No, no. It doesn't matter. Like, I think no I disrespect. No, I don't disrespect. want to see a jacked Chris or I'm say Chris Hemsworth, Heath Ledger. I don't want to see a jacked Heath Ledger. No disrespect um, to the deceased, but he is not choosing. You were choosing it for him. What would you most <laughs> like to see him in? I'm saying I think him and I can never say the director's name, but the guy did the last two Thor's movies. I think they would have paired up really well. Yes, I think they would have paired up really well. I think his charm and his ability to be quirky and absurd would have been a perfect match. So if not Thor, at least just a movie that that guy made or would potentially make with him as the lead character. I would have loved to have seen them paired up. What we do in the shadows would have been great with him. Oh my god, yay! Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. What we do in the shadows would have been great. Hell yeah, because I definitely uh, don't want to see him with Kenneth Braun as Thor, but I like the idea of seeing him in like Ragnarok or something. Oh, yeah, so yeah, anything with that guy would be my choice. Ray, what would you like to see him in? Look, motherfuckers, don't, don't. <laughs> Don't hate on me for this pick, okay? I said it earlier, and now I'm doubling down. Oh, he no. should have been Grindelwald in these Fantastic Beast movies. Because if he's playing a villain, and he's so damn likable, it would really, as a viewer, be tough to watch him go down this path, because you like him so much. And they wouldn't have had the problem with Johnny Depp and then recasting. There's been like three Grindelwalds. You wouldn't have had that problem. Heath Ledger's fine. Just keep him in there. I think he would have been great going off of Jude Law, bouncing off Jude Law. I just think it would have been great. I, I don't think you're wrong. I'm just the movies, though. The movies are so bad. But I don't think you're wrong at all. I agree with you. I like uh, the first two. I didn't finish the third one. I haven't one. seen, in, even though I love I like Mads Mikkelsen, even though I love Mads Mikkelsen so much, I just cannot bear to bring myself to watch the third one. Jordan, what I, would I, you I, like to see him in? Really, I was just thinking more than anything, an MCU movie with a hero that we haven't seen yet. And that that's what I was going to go with. Uh, oh, I would have loved to see him, like, I mean, obviously Will Poulter is playing the role now, but I would love to see him as, like, Adam Warlock because that would be, like, the big first introduction to Adam Warlock to... Oh, Seth, were you going to no. say something? Jordan's about to say Wolverine... And the MCU, because he's going to take over for the other Australian guy. I'm just kidding. Don't say Wolverine. Please don't say Wolverine. <laughs> no, I wasn't going to say now, but I'm thinking that. I'm like, I don't know, but that would be interesting. No, by the way, Adam yeah. Warlock is a great call, by the way, Jerry. I'm, again, I'm going with Adam Warlock because Adam Warlock has not been introduced to the masses. So yeah. when this 
iconic character for comic readers gets introduced to the masses. Imagine Heath Ledger playing this awesome character. I just think it would be great. I will say I'm excited for the guy who from We Are oh, yeah, the Millers. Oh, so, dude, yeah. he got jacked. Yes, he did. Dude, I'm so he excited. From, like, a kid he wanted to punch in the face to like this really handsome man out of nowhere. Yeah, I, like, I think Will Poulter's a good actor, but I'm just like, oh, holy good. hell. But he had a anyway, punchable you... face. Oh, yeah, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I did not mean to. Who, who is it that you wanted him to play? I, I really didn't have anyone in particular. I would just be like... For one thing, I'm I'm running out of ideas of characters that they have because they have so many right now. Uh Madam yeah, so Web. Mad, Mad, what? The Spider Girl. Spider Woman. Uh you get Angel. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Just for the hell of it, is there like a Captain Australia? Because they got Captain UK dude. So Oh, he's Professor X. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, okay. <laughs> So, no, he... so right. we again we just watched a Knight's Tale, <laughs> which is a period piece takes place in the 14th century. So I actually wanted to bring it because I'm not the biggest fan of period pieces, especially like in the Middle Ages, the Dark Ages. But again, this was a great movie. Everyone loved it. It was fun. So non-fantasy, have to say non-fantasy, like you know, it could be historical fiction. Historical nonfiction, but just non-fantasy. How do we ultimately feel about period pieces? Does it work? Does it not work? What makes them good? What makes them bad? How can we improve upon them? So, Jordan, start us off with the talk on period pieces and how we feel. For me, I I always enjoy period pieces. And a lot of times I like to like the real historical accurate ones. But at times I do like the the non-historical accurate. And then you have a movie like this one that I enjoyed. Because right off the bat it shows you like, look, we're just having this as a setting. And you don't have to worry about like how it fits in with the history or is this period correct or anything. Just by the opening of the music. And so that was one thing I really liked about uh, this movie is it set a tone right off the bat of like, hey, just sit here, enjoy knights hitting each other. We got some great characters and and fun, entertaining movie. Seth, uh, so I gonna preface this. I love some period. That's a very broad term. So period pieces that have to deal with like uh, knights, I really like. Because I think it allows us to explore concepts that are a little bit more cheesy sounding in other settings. So the idea of like knights and servile honorary, all that kind of deal, especially if they deconstruct it or where they point out the hypocrisies or the flaws in it, I think it gets really good. Like, for example, a recent movie that did this and that was super serious and super realistic that I really, really loved was The Last Duel with uh, Adam Driver and unfortunately Matt Damon. And it was great. Fantastic movie. I loved it. Uh and then, but I also like a Knight's Tale. I don't like like the Jane Austen adaptation type period pieces. I'm, I'm oh, not a yeah. fan of those. That was actually going to be my next yeah. comment, especially since yeah. you and uh, Ray. That's why I was saving you two for last, so you can actually get into your historical talk. Um, well, I will say one more thing too. If it's in Greece or Rome, especially ancient Greece or Rome, I'm talking like Gladiator or you know stuff like that or Troy. 
I love those movies. I love the crap out of those movies. Uh, I mean, I even loosely liked, I say loosely liked Colin Farrell's Alexander the Great movie because it wasn't that good. Uh, but, like, I enjoy those movies. So I'm always Rosario for... Dawson, respectfully, though. What, just... Uh... I said respectfully, <laughs> Rosario <laughs> Dawson. Though. Yes. Uh, I mean, like, and, and there's just... I even forgot she's in that movie. Uh, but, like, there's just so many things about period pieces that I like if they're telling the right kind of stories. And then there's types that are fine, but just not for me. So, uh, I, 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 oh, go hold, ahead. Hold up. Gordon. I just have a quick question because you say you like the knights and the, if you with the knights, but you're Roman. Have you seen uh, uh, King Arthur with uh, Clive Owen? Just curious and what you thought about that okay. one because that one's sort of like the King Arthur. But it's the late Roman period on it. Okay, I will. I will tell you this. I uh, got really happy when characters started to die because I knew that meant the movie was ending. I did <laughs> not enjoy that movie. Uh, that was. I was excited for it though. Yeah, I did go see it in the movie theater. So like, I'm always willing to give those movies a chance. But no, that was not one of those movies that I liked. Uh, okay. So- I was going to say that what do we think that I feel like they take more creative liberties with movies that are set in the, you know, um, the late like Roman Empire versus like these Dark Ages movies where they go for a little bit more realism. But in those other movies, of course, like Gladiator, they take so many different creative liberties. How do we feel about that? Well, so I want to answer that first question about period pieces real quick yeah um if it's a good story like you asked this question and the uh you told us the rundown i was like i've never even thought about like if i like period pieces or not it's just if the movie's good it's good right but if i see kira knightley knightley whatever her name is in one more period piece movie i'm gonna lose my mind like just stop she's in i feel like she's in the same movie four times you know, um, atonement, pride and prejudice. Like I'm not into that stuff. Like like Seth said, but Seth said like he's into stuff with knights, and I'm like, I am too. Why am I into stuff with knights? And I think it's because it's like a fantasy novel, but it's like in the real world. You know, it's like it's weird that we had we used to live that way. We had a king and knights and servants. It's just pretty cool. But uh, yeah, when you said period piece movies, I, I just went to Kira Knightley and those beauty movies she just kept making. I didn't even think about like Gladiator and Troy and oh and, and Duchess. You forgot about Duchess. Yeah, yeah. How could I forget? I'm so sorry. Um, but He's yeah, like, oh, so, like, you maybe remember that one. If the movie's fun and can surprisingly pull some emotion out of me, like a Braveheart or or uh, what's the one we talked about with Heath Ledger in it? What's it called? With Mel Gibson and Heath Ledger. Oh, Patriot. Patriot. Oh, Patriot. Stuff like that. Like, I'm all in. Those are just fun times in Troy. So, like, yeah. And when it comes to taking creative liberties, like, dude, people, every time Braveheart's brought up, the first comment is like, yeah, but it's like wholly inaccurate. It's like, I don't care. I had the time of my life watching that movie. I will remember nothing about who we married and why it's not accurate. All I know is William Wallace is a badass. That's all I need to know. And so, as long as it's not like, However, it wasn't. It, now that I'm saying it out loud, it wasn't about like my country's history, so maybe that's why I don't care. But <laughs> you know, I don't know. Like as long as it's fun and it's not insultingly inaccurate, whatever, man. Yeah, no, and so that's what I was tr- uh, getting at because I completely agree with your sentiment, Ray. Um, with 
and like yeah you can take creative liberties you can change some stuff up but as long as it's not like offensively inaccurate where it's like you're offending a large party due to the inaccuracies of the movie hate to say it but like if someone makes a civil war movie but you know they make the movie about states rights but states rights to what they don't talk about <laughs> the state's rights to what. Um, so like that, where it offends a large group of people. I agree with you, Ray. Seth, well, you going to say something? I was, oh. uh, what I was going to say is, uh, Braveheart, uh, the last ba- battle, of, uh, battle of Sterling Bridge, they forgot to add a bridge on it. But yeah, just something funny. I always <laughs> they yelled and they all fight. Um, <laughs> there's a famous saying, like, never let the truth get in the way of a good story. And that's... Kind of okay, so we have two English teachers on the podcast, and since we're talking about period pieces, and A Knight's Tale is a period piece with um, someone famous. I don't. Uh, he wrote some book called oh, Canterbury oh, Tale. Jeffrey Chaucer. <laughs> I, I think he's famous for something. Um, uh, Seth Ray, take it away. I'll, okay, I'll, I'll start since we're like we don't know who to start. Um, so we're both English teachers, and every year I teach seniors, so we read The Partner's Tale, Wife of Bath. Uh, we don't read A Knight's Tale, but like, we read stories from the Canterbury Tales. And so when I, watched, like, when I watched this movie my first year teaching seniors, I was like, oh, man, that's really cool that they, they made um, what Paul Bettany Chaucer in this movie. You know, like he's the guy taking record of everything. And uh, I was talking to Seth before we started recording, and... You meet the partner, you meet the summoner, and uh, Chaucer, Paul Bettany, is like, I will write very bad things about you for eternity, you know? And it's true, because in Canterbury Tales, he doesn't say flattering stuff. And it just, if you are a nerd like us, there's little things in this story, in this movie, that you're like, you pick from it. You're like, oh, that's really cool. I like that. Yeah, and that's one of the things is, you know, so like, you know, as an English teacher, you know, I like to read and so and I love reading and then watching adaptations. I think I've talked about my hatred for The Shining as far as an adaptation of the movie goes. Can we stop? And, Hold on. I got a question for you. Yeah. Because it triggers me every time you bring this up. Do you not like The Shining as a movie or you just think it's a bad adaptation, but it's a great movie? Like, where are you at? Oh, I actually think it's bad on both parts. I think it actually oh. fails on every level. There's only Ooh. one area that that movie is successful in. It does Move on create... to the next topic. Keep talking. We're moving. This is a whole other conversation. <laughs> a bonus episode I, I is am... me and Ray debate The Shining. <laughs> I am... I didn't know you had that take, Ray. No, that is a terrible movie. Sorry. Continue, Seth. So now, the rest of the so world is... Just... Just... Go ahead. Never mind. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have an idea what for 100... Our hundredth episode now. Um, <laughs> just be the I mean, uh, I will hate myself for having to make myself watch it again. But no, about this, about the about the adaptation though, is that if you are like you read the Canterbury Tales, great story, great writer Chaucer, I recommend reading the you know, uh, oh crap, the not translated but the updated text. Don't try to read it in his older english no typewriting huh no fear no yeah. fear yeah, yeah. one of those, one of those type deals. yeah yeah uh because it's really it's really clever it's really funny and uh there's a lot of good stories in there but if you go to this movie thinking i am going to see this story <laughs> translated faithfully if 
you get through the first five minutes and don't realize that's not going to happen. Uh, it's just, you know, you need to go in understanding that fact and have a good time with these little, you know, references to the summoner, the partner, the knight, and all that kind of stuff. And Jeffrey Chaucer himself making his own jokes and being, you know, a person. And this is apparently, I read this in the, the trivia thing, there's like a year of Jeffrey Chaucer's life that historians don't know what he was doing. And so this movie is supposed to answer that question that this is what he was doing during that time period i mean not really truly answer the question but just that's when it takes place uh and i just think it's a little clever things like that they put appreciate the effort they went to put into this movie to include chaucer and to connect it without necessarily being a true adaptation and i think you're going to be fine with it i i guess the only thing for me is the fact that it sort of puts it in a weird time time period for me because Jeffrey uh, Chaucer's like early middle ages time but like the outfits and the uh, armor and everything's more like uh, mid or late uh, middle ages so it's just like oh, I mean he, okay. he, he had a Nike armor outfit I don't think we can... I, <laughs> I, I mean that's just one of those things I'm like I guys, it's, it's guys. like I, I guess but it was just weird to think that like, well, okay, that's interesting. But that actually is a perfect segue to our next topic. We are talking about movie soundtracks and why this soundtrack is so different. Um, because this movie obviously takes place in the 14th century, but this movie exclusively plays 1970s rock music <laughs> and as Jordan stated at the beginning they start out with we will rock you to like set the tone of the movie and it just it's a great feeling when you're watching it but I have a differing viewpoint because in one of my favorite movies of all time Gangs of New York uses a more modern soundtrack instead of orchestra and band and strings and it's completely off-putting. So, <laughs> Seth, tell me about your thoughts with the music being used in this movie, and how do you feel at large with movie soundtracks and older movies using more current music, yeah. a la Moulin Rouge, Boz Lerman-type movies, things like that? Yeah. So, my stance on this is the more you, you can... You can use modern day music and period pieces to me effectively if your movie is has one of two tones. Either you're going for the overly romantic tone with like – and when I say romantic, I don't necessarily mean love story. But it's like a romanticized version of what you're yeah. looking at. Uh, yes. And like Moulin Rouge is what I'm thinking of there. It's like a romanticized yeah. viewpoint. Yeah. And then the other way you can do it is if you don't take your content too seriously and you're trying to tell a charming story – like this movie does. I think where you end up losing a disconnect with modern music and period pieces is if you're trying to tell a serious story with that you're trying to get the audience to take seriously, like it's super drama, super serious, and you know, you're looking at a cowboy riding down the road with little Nas's song playing in the background, right? Like playing in the background, yeah, that is all yeah. even even go I mean, country. Like, and go. Yeah. <laughs> Or yeah, or, Same, or like a, a horse riding a cowboy just popped in my yeah, head when you said yeah. that. <laughs> uh, thanks, thanks for that torture. Uh, that mental ear torture there with Breaking <laughs> Bridge. But yeah, I mean, like, but like, even like, if you have like country music, like George Strait, right? Someone that's universally loved in the country music genre. Even if you put him in a western, 
that's like taking place in the 1870s or 1880s, you know, like John Wesley Harden biography or something or biopic. It just doesn't, it's not going to fit. It's going to sound weird unless it's at the credits, you know, like Appaloosa had Ed Harris record and film a, record a song for the credits. And that's the only modern, modern music you have in the entire movie. And it works there as an end credits. But if he had had that, him singing in the middle of the movie, it would have been like, what the hell is this? Uh, so I think there's only two ways this works. And I, lo- and I love this soundtrack, by the way. I actually had this soundtrack as a kid on CD, and it was amazing. And I think this soundtrack and the way they used music in this movie works perfectly because, again, they're trying to tell that charming story. Yeah, and I mean, like, um, it, it wasn't even – like, so I think the one song that always, like, stood out to me was when they were playing Low Rider. Um, <laughs> that was the second song, but it's just like when, it fir- when they first started playing it uh, when I was re-watching it, I'm like – Okay. Okay. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I want to say something, but it fits, so I can't. Like it, it shouldn't work either. But yeah, it no. does. So again, it's just like I put, I put the finger up, and I'm just a word, it, please. It's communicating to the audience, like, just eat your popcorn. Like, <laughs> don't. Just what are you doing? Like, just have fun. That's what it's doing when it starts playing low rider. So yeah, and, and, I know, and it like. This movie like does a really good job at that as it uh, you know d- delivers on those themes of have a good time. So we talked about one Boz Lerman movie which is in our Hall of Fame. How do we feel about um is that most recent one with Elvis? Still have not seen that one. Um, sorry. Oh my gosh, the name A uh, Great Gatsby, sorry. How do we feel about the modern music in Great Gatsby? It works, man. That movie is the best adaptation of the book, and it it works so well. My even like my students love that movie. We watch it every year after we read the book, and they're just like, "Can we please just watch it again?" Like they want to watch how, it. It's good. How many adaptations of The Great Gatsby are there? Because I've I've just seen at least like four. I feel like, man, I gotta tell you, Ray. I agree with half of your statement and disagree with half of your statement. Like I, I agree it's the best adaptation and it's a good one, but I hated the music in it. I did not like the music. Like actually, that's not true. I like the music separate from the movie. I didn't like the music in the movie though. Does that make sense? It does. I'll have to rewatch it to listen to music on it because I don't remember it really. I'm trying to think. I can't remember the name of the song, but like. When it comes, like when he's meeting Daisy for the first time, and after a long while, and they catch up, and it's the music just hits well. You got Jay Z and Kanye playing when they're going to the party, and it's just it works, man. It just works for me. Oh yeah, so I mean, like Boz Lerman, like he's known for trying to blend period pieces with modern music, so uh, and it works for him. Um, so, like Seth, I really like your original statement. If the movie is going for one of two things, it works. But if it's trying to do that middle thing, which, again, Gangs of New York, serious movie, serious tone. Why is there rock music playing in this movie? <laughs> it's made in the eight, it's 1800s movie. Uh, why is there rock music playing? Yeah, so, um, 1862? Because, oh, yeah. yeah. Is there uh, the Civil War and the, when they have the riots in the New York yep. riots? Um, also a little bit of historical inaccuracy in that movie as well, though the butcher was a little bit before, um, but 
Again, that's another podcast, just like Seth and I yelling at Ray about The Shining. <laughs> so, A Knight's Tale. What a fantastic movie. Super fun. As Ray said, shut up and eat your popcorn. Lowriders, please. Enjoy it. We're here for a ride. <laughs> Paul Bettany's walking around butt-ass naked at the beginning of the movie. Like, no we're here for there. a good time. We got Vision. Vision is out here with no clothes on, y'all. This is a great movie. Let's dive into our notes. Our good, bad, ugly, and if there is ugly, um, press the in call button on your end, um, please. And thank you. So, Ray, start <laughs> us off. Movie notes. Uh, damn. Uh, a little caught me off guard. I just it flows well. I like the fight. I like the dynamic. The dynamic between the characters. Um, my favorite moments in this movie. Besides when he meets his dad, which is up for best scene, by the way, um, is when he has to fight the king and he recognizes it's the king. Is it the king? Is that who it is? I can't remember. No, the uh, prince. prince. It's the prince. And everyone's like letting the prince king. win. He lets the pr- everyone's letting the prince win. He's like, he's here for a fight. Let's just let's go at it, you know, and stuff like that. I love how he earns respect at each each moment, you know, and uh, it worked for me. Um, I do have a question. Did did anyone? Like the first couple times you see this, did you guys get confused because his love interest and her maiden or whatever look identical at times? And I'm like, who's who? Who's he falling? The first time seeing it, I know Seth is like violently shaking his head, but I was like, who? They have like completely he, different hair. Look, I don't know, man. I face blindness. I don't know. Anyways, where's that, where's that actress been? She. Just pops up in random TV shows every now, every now and then, but she's like gorgeous and she was good in this movie. I just surprised her career didn't take off because Me she too. looked too much like other characters because you <laughs> got confused. No, she had, she had a look about her, I don't know. Not enough. <laughs> uh oh, we uh, lost Jared. You you offended him with your take about the maiden. Sorry, Jared. I didn't mean to kick you off. Anyways, Seth. What, what's uh, the for you? Yeah, some on, on my movie notes for this one. Uh, obviously, the soundtrack's great, and you know he talked about the charm and everything like that. But the thing that stood out to me more than anything is how well they used humor in the movie, like, uh, and how they were able to like keep that goofy tone and humor, make the jokes, and yet there is still like one to three scenes maybe even more that made you feel like emotional at the same time. Like it like got you in your feelings. And so it was like a very, it was filled with a lot of heart. There's a lot of heart to this movie. And like, I loved a bunch of different scenes. One of my favorite scenes, I remember, uh, cause so this was quick story time. The first DVD I ever owned, technically my parents bought was frequency with Dennis Quaid and Jim Caviezel. But the one they bought for me was a knight's tale. And so, because this was new technology and I was used to VHSs at the time. I was like, Oh my goodness, they have DVD commentary. And I thought that was really cool. So I watched all the special featurettes on this DVD and all that good stuff. And apparently the scene where, uh, Mark Addy, the guy goes on to play King Baratheon in season one of game of Thrones. Right. And like Chaucer gets done introducing him and the crowd's just silent. And he goes, yeah. And then everyone starts cheering. Like was a mistake because the extras didn't speak English or something like that because of where they were filming, and so they 
didn't understand when the director had told them you cheer here and so they missed their cue but they thought it was just so funny they decided to keep keep it in anyways and i just love when movies do stuff like that and are able to do stuff like that uh, and so it's just really yeah, i don't that, know that was filmed in the czech republic so you know what right. worked really you know what worked really well for this film and i showed up after this is that it caught a cast a great cast before they all kind of like blew up a little bit oh yeah, yeah. alan Kudik, um mm-hmm. even uh what's his name vision like all these actors are great and they, they just they hadn't blown up yet, and you watch it now. You're like, man, this this is this cast is stacked. And yeah, and Seth and I were just talking before we started recording about like I completely forgot James Pierfoy was in this movie, and we were talking about yeah, this is right before he got big. So it's just like now you can't like watch two, two to three movies in a row without seeing Alan Tudyk, and this yeah. was like oh shit, Alan Tudyk was in here too. Oh yeah, no, it was um. It was really great with the uh, cast that they brought in. Um, Jordan, did you go over your movie notes from what I missed? I was having uh, internet connectivity issues. No, I didn't really didn't have anything much to add. Okay, so let's talk about... Because I, I, I'm sorry, I wanted to talk about... I was going to talk about it when you mentioned it, Ray, but that's when my internet dropped. <laughs> About how he stayed so true to himself throughout the whole movie. Even when he was called Sir Ulrich of Lichtenstein. Ulrich of Lichtenstein. Yeah, so like, how impactful, like, even when we watched it as kids versus watching it now as like full-grown adults. How impactful it is to you to see a character in that role stay true to himself throughout the entire movie. Like... How does that like? How does that leave you feeling, Jordan? I think that's partly why he remains such a likable character throughout the movie because he's always true to himself. He he's more trying to do the action rather than like, oh, I've got this, and so now I. He understands, like, man, it's taking work, and I have to give every bit of work to do this, and so that makes him a very endearing character. Where a lot of times I feel like in movies, they're like, oh, well, with all this, uh, it has to change the person. Typically in a movie where it's like, no, it's still the same person. They just... <laughs> so, your, I, like I got that. a question for you. Mm-hmm. This goes with my next qu- my next point. Who's your favorite Game of Thrones character? Uh, <laughs> my favorite came of, uh, the the dad of, uh, the main dad for the House of Tyre... Ty- uh, Tyrion. Uh, Targaryen? No, not Targaryen. Uh, the Tyrion? guy who's... The Lannisters? Uh, uh, yes, the Lannisters. Thank you. Okay, well, look. I'll say Did this. Is a Lannister? Yeah. What? What? He's a great character. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's my favorite character. Yeah, because I know what he's going for the whole time in those series, and he's always working towards trying to make his house stronger and working like, look, I only have limited funds left and trying to make the best of it. All his kids are... And I, yeah, and he... <laughs> I mean, well, he's a great character, character but... Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. The okay. reason I, the, the reason I ask is, is because people, like, when I, my favorite character is Jon Snow, and people are like, he's so boring, why do you like Jon Snow? And it's like, because he's 
the moral i don't know he's just very rootable like you and that's what heath ledger is in this movie you just root for this character because you you trust him to make the right decision all the time it's why i love captain america and these in the mcu mm-hmm. you know and like I just want to say anyone who shit on people who love Jon Snow as their favorite character, but love Heath Ledger's movie, you're hypocrites. Don't have that. You're hypocrites. All right. Oh, so? I got nothing against having you. Actually, now, sorry, I know it's a side tangent, listeners. I got to know this now. Seth, who is your favorite? Uh, My favorite uh, character in Game of Thrones is going to have to be uh, Tyrion Lannister. I know it's basic, but I mean... Yeah. Fucking. How about you, Jared? Who's your favorite? Uh, fucking Littlefinger. What are we talking about? Great too. Yeah. He is now. Littlefinger is just amazing. Actually, Sansa's up there too. Littlefinger's uh, not even in my top three. Night King. Uh, Night King. Let's do it. Death. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. So that was Game of Thrones talk. Um, come back later. We'll talk Game of Thrones and yell at Ray about The Shining. Um. So best scene in this movie. I had one nomination. Ray already said it. When he met his dad. Holy shit! This movie is fun. It's entertaining. It's over the top action music. Hey. About like you know twenty minutes before the end of the movie. Oh shit! Am, am I crying? Am I crying? Am I crying in the club right now? He's just meeting his dad. So cool. No, that's my nomination. Hey, can can I clarify something for anyone who hasn't watched this movie? Yes. It's not that he's just meeting his dad. It's that he's just meeting his dad after a long absence of being a little kid, and it makes it just so impactful for that. I just want to make sure that's clear to people because if you haven't seen the movie, his relationship with his dad is like a key heart component to the whole movie of who he is. And his and also knowing him. also knowing that his dad did a lot of sacrifices so he could work on his way to become a knight. And what a way to do flashbacks in this movie. <laughs> flashbacks were not frequent and when they were there, they were just like very brief. What a great way to do flashbacks. To hit home with that. All right. Anybody else got any other nominations? Seth? Yes, I have one. And it is, I'm okay with that scene with his dad wins it. But there's one other scene I feel like bears at least honorable mention. And it is when Chaucer comes to tell him that he's going to be arrested if he goes and faces, or tries to face, uh, I think it was Adamar. Yeah, it was Adamar. Yeah, and he says, if you go face him, you're going to get arrested. And he asks, Every single one of them, one at a time, would you see me run? And they all say, yes, run. And even the love interest is like, look, I'll live with the pigs with you and all this stuff. And he's just like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to run because I am a knight, regardless of whether or not I have, you know, the history and everything to, you know, prove that. And then he goes anyway. I love that. That was the, uh, I mean, the, the seeing his dad for the first time in like 12 years was extremely moving great scene as well so if that wins that wins i'm good with it but that other you one know, is it's just hard to talk about these other scenes that aren't going to win but deserve to be talked about yeah it's a great scene <laughs> oh yeah yeah oh, that was a really great scene too um and i think uh for comedic purposes the tone was set at the very beginning of the movie when uh the night that will took over for um had like shit himself to death 
It's like he shots himself <laughs> to death. Sir Hector. Yeah, Sir Hector. And so, like, again, it's not the most impactful scene, but it just, again, sets the tone and what we're, like, going into coming right after We Will Rock You and then throwing in that comedic element. So, well, again, also, that's... An, oh, go ahead. No, I say, I don't... There's also the scenes... I, I, I was worried you were going to move on. I, I wanted to make sure we talked about uh, the scenes with the, the female armorer, who I liked her a lot. <laughs> she was like, I'm not going to take less money to make you armor. And she ends up being like really good at it. And the way he like manipulates her to make the armor is pretty funny. But uh, just the scenes, she's like, yeah, go try it. Like, I've never never tried this before. You should go try it right now. He's like, but <laughs> what? You know, it's just, it's good. I like, I like the moments with her and how they just kind of throw their trust behind her. And it's weird you know, to pick out a scene, but yeah. You know who she reminds me of? For everybody who's seen, um, oh shit, I can't think of the name. Uh, the Rosebud Motel show um, with Dan, Dan Levy and, oh no. Shit's Creek? Yes, Shit's Creek. She reminds me of Stevie from Shit's Creek. I've never seen the the show. I just know Dan, that Steve Levy dude's in it, so that's why I said that. So I have no idea who you're talking about. Yeah, she I'm reminds sorry. me of Stevie. Remind you of him. Uh, Jordan, any other scenes you want to talk about? Uh, I was going to do the training montage with Flo Rider just because that's one of the scenes that always sticks out in my head when I look back and think about this movie. And just a great way to use both interesting music and like uh just a fun montage training montage so yeah they had a lot of good quotes in that scene too where he's like i think he's getting worse he is getting worse uh, <laughs> or he's like well i just got to try it again and then he goes come on ponies and then like has the grass to get them when they're pulling the cart i just and then like when he falls into the water there's a lot of great scenes in that yeah that's, he's, he's yeah. gonna come up that's soon a good right call. Right? He's going to yeah. come up soon. Yeah. <laughs> no, that, uh, him in the water. And then I want to talk about, um, <clears throat> sorry, I don't think we talked much about Adamar, um, but every scene he was in, like he just was very dark and brooding. So, yeah, let's, sorry, we're going to skip right back to him. Like, how do we, how do we actually feel about him? I'm so sorry, guys. I forgot to mention him. Seth. Okay, good. I love Rufus Sewell, and I love him because of this movie, because he does such a great job of making me hate his guts in this movie, and then I'll watch him in other things. He's really good at playing the villain, but he can actually go both ways of playing heroes and villains, and I don't think Rufus Sewell gets enough credit for his acting ability, and I love it, and I also love that this movie did not bother to even try to remotely make you like him. He was just a dick, and you didn't like him, and it accepted that about this movie, and that this again, harm is that it didn't try to make him to be this multifaceted person because he didn't need to be a multifaceted in order for this movie to work. And they didn't bother to even try. Oh, yeah. And Rufus Sewell understood oh, yeah. that assignment. And I think I talked about this last week. We need more villains like that in Hollywood. We don't need like big bads trying to take over the world, destroy something, or create some chaos. We need punchable villains. Just be punchable. Because guess what? That's also very realistic. And I think that's who Adamar was this entire movie. He was just like, dude, if I see him on the street, I'm punching him. Because yeah, because I, 
I was going to go with, that was one of the things I like about him, because he didn't go over the top villainy with him. He just seems like what a normal, just like, I hate that guy, I need to punch him and beat him type of guy. Because in other movies, I feel like they would have made him kill his dad or something, be so sinister. It's like, no, this guy's just a dick, and he just needs to lose. Yeah. And you're just happy when you beat him. Yep. Here's a little, here's a little bit punch- of trivia. Yeah. Here's a little bit of trivia I made up on the spot just now. When they were casting for him, they just looked at headshots and they came across his and said, "Fuck this guy, I hate him." <laughs> <laughs> Does he have a punchable face? He's, he's the guy you. Oh, he just you look at him and you're like, "Oh, fuck this guy." And I just I just can't imagine like him reading over his lines. He's like. Do I have any redeeming qualities? Do I say anything right. nice? And they're just like, heavens no. <laughs> He'd be a great little finger if they went a different direction, you know? Like he's yeah. just he, Yeah. He would have he really would have been, because that dude can't act. And all everything he's in, he does a good job. I've never seen him do a bad job. I've seen him in bad movies. I've never seen him do a bad job though. All right. So uh we are we all on the same page with the best scene? Um when Will Meets his dad for the first time in decade. I think so. Uh, I think that's my pick. Yeah, I I won't argue with that one. All right, so it looks like we have our best scene when he is meeting his father for the first time in a long time. So let's hop over to our Russell Westbrook Award before we hop in the MVP. So Russell Westbrook Award. Could this movie have been better if it did not have one character? Or element. It could have been anything. Yeah. Yeah, character it's... or element. Anybody. I don't know. Any there's element. nothing I would change about this movie. Would you take. I mean, there's nothing I would take out. There's not anything that comes to Being mind. Naked Paul <laughs> no, Just I, I, you naked Paul Bettany. No. Throw it out there. Keep that in. Keep that in. It was so unexpected. <laughs> I know. Just I was just trying to think of something. And then, I, I yeah. There's no there's no character in this movie where I roll my eyes at or anything like that. Everyone, even the smaller side characters and everything. Uh, the main bad guy's uh, a hype man. I, I forget his. I don't remember his name, but the guy who always introduces him. He he has like just like some funny little like moments that i like where he's trying to uh learn off of uh joffrey and try to re- repeat and like trying to learn i need to be a better hype man <laughs> yeah and so yeah I, like even the little smaller characters i enjoyed a lot i am going to say this jocelyn's hair i Jocelyn's hate her hairstyle <laughs> i'm sorry her hairstyles were so aggressively 90s i hated them I did not like them. I that's my only Look, I love Jocelyn the character. Just hated Jared. her hairstyle. Jared, okay. Without her no, hair, Ray would not know who she was. All right. <laughs> he would get her confused with everyone else in the movie. The hair was the key. Her <laughs> hair's not her hair's not terrible except for that one scene where they're dancing and they're both wearing green. Yeah, that's the what I'm talking about. Yeah, she has oh. a porcupine on her head. No, I okay. So, like, honestly, I loved her character, loved the actress. Her hair was just that—that's Russell Westbrook for me. Yeah, she she just got back from an AFI concert. (laughs) (laughs) 
I loved her hair. I thought it was great. It was, it was outlandish, and it made her stick out even more. I'm totally with. I'm down with yeah. her hair. I, what, like, what I do want to say about that character, though, because it cracks me up when she's like, "I'll live with the pigs with you," and I just look at her. I'm like, "No way, honey. You, you might love the map, but there's no way you're going to be living with the pig pigs." She and, was way too much about style. Yes. <laughs> And he called her out I, for that. He was like, no. I know. I love no. that he called her out for it. He's like, no. So, yeah. No, I, that, that's the only thing I would nominate. But um, there is no winner for Russell Westbrook. He was traded before the season started, uh, just like <laughs> the Lakers are trying to do. But every year there's an MVP. Could the MVP of this movie be back-to-back like Nikola Jokic has been the past two years. Who's our MVP for this movie? Jordan? Oh, yeah, no-brainer. Heath Ledger, man. Just... (laughs) Okay, right? It's gotta be Heath Ledger, because this is the movie where you're like, oh, this guy's a, a movie star. Like, he has all the traits of a classic movie star, you know? Um... And this is the movie that kind of cemented it. Not that it was like a great box office film. It's just like, but when you watch it, you're like, this guy needs to be in everything. <laughs> okay, Seth? Yeah, I'm, I'm really trying to think to see if there's like anyone I could think of that would be just better. Like a better I, The only other one I can and... think of would be Paul Bettany. And, but no, I was I just that, that was going to be then, my pick. That was my But pick. the thing is, I don't think he's in the movie enough I mean, he is, but he, he's, he's like a side character, and I'm not sure. I mean, this movie's all about Heath Ledger, and I think if you don't, if you had, the way I'm looking at it is if you put almost, almost any other actor from that time period of the early 2000s in there, I'm not sure the movie works as well. Like, it truly doesn't. I can't see anyone else really, like, taking that role and being charming with the silly absurdities and still making you feel emotions and take it seriously while still not taking it too seriously. So yeah, I'm going to go with Heath Ledger. All right. Well, looks like it is four votes for Heath Ledger. Um, He is our winner. He's the MVP of A Night's Tale. So he went back to back. Can he make it three in a row next week? Tune in to find out. But now we're going to go with our six-man award. So, um, as Jordan stated, I think Paul Bettany pulls a lot of weight as Jeffrey Chaucer. He is my nomination for six-man. Seth, who do you got? Uh, I'm going to just say, I just I got to say a shout-out for Rufus Stoll. He really did do a terrific job. I know we just talked about him. And he was initially yeah. going to be my pick, but the more I think about it, I really, you know, as much as I just said the movie doesn't work if you put Heath Ledger or anyone else, I think he probably could have replaced Paul Bettany with someone else, and it probably still would have worked okay if you had Heath Ledger. But I don't think it. I really don't think it would have worked as well. Heath Ledger did a. I mean, Paul Bettany did a great job with his scenes of really helping sell it, and he played off of everyone in the movie so well that I'm gonna go with Paul Bettany as well for six men. Ray, man, I, I, I want. I almost want to nominate the whole gang. You know, all three of them. Paul Bettany, Alan Tudyk, and the other guy, because they're just such a—they're just fun as a unit, you know. But I would have to say Paul Bettany did the most out of those three, so I think by default he gets it. I mean, it's kind of like that year that um, all five players of the Atlanta Hawks won like Player of the Month, 
Uh, <laughs> they win like 17 games that month, and they were like, oh, all five of them are players of the month. And it's just like, we all no. we, we all know Al Horford did all the work, but okay, sure. <laughs> this is more like Justin Timberlake and NSYNC. Like, yeah, sure, yeah, right. NSYNC wins awards, but JT standing out a little bit more than yeah, everyone else. Like, ah, y'all tried, y'all did your thing, but we know why we're here. All right, so our sixth man is Paul Bettany. Awesome. So our next category is one of our favorites. Actually, probably my new favorite category. Road trip. Road trip category. Who would you most want to go on a road trip with and least want to go on a road trip with? Jordan? You know what? I'm going to try it just because I think it might be interesting. She didn't play as big a, a like like a role, but she was always a fun character whenever uh, she was talking about the Kate, the armor. I, I don't know. I feel like she'd be a fun person to bounce off and talk to and everything on a road trip. So I'm going to go with Kate. Uh, the ba- the guy that I never want to go on a road trip is the Count dude, man. No way in hell would he ever seem to be interesting, and I would just probably just want to punch him most of the time. Yeah. Ooh, Seth, who we got? All right, so mine was down to like two people, and one was uh, Prince Edward by James Purefoy because I love when he tells them uh, my historians Ooh. have found noble blood, and uh, do y'all doubt me? And he kind of just looks around, like, no, 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 we definitely don't doubt you. I'm like, that's a guy I don't have to wait in line for anything for uh, at all, and he'll probably pay for everything. Downside is I probably have to be a yes man because he does not strike me as a guy who takes dissent very well. And then my other choice was Jeffrey Chaucer. But I feel like normally I wouldn't go with the Chaucer type character because it'd get me killed. But I feel like in this one, he'd only end up making me poor, destitute, and naked and not necessarily (laughs) dead. So I'm going to go with Chaucer this time by a hair. Chaucer is my pick to go on. And Adamar is my never in a million years. Okay. Wow. Okay. You picked Chaucer. I know that's a little out of character for me, but I feel like he's you the meet worst him and he's naked. Right, I was gonna say Chaucer is, the, Chaucer is the Yorton and Jared pick, so I can't believe you <laughs> picked him. I know. I just this is the first time though that the wild dude probably doesn't end up with me being dead, just naked and destitute, and so like I feel like I'm not gonna lose my life this time, and so I'm like, okay, you know what? I can do this. This is a heel turn, Seth. <laughs> Ray, who are you, Ray, who are you going with? Sorry, like I went to Raw last night, guys. I got to use my wrestling no, references. It's like when Triple H betrayed X Pac. I get it. Um, <laughs> I'm taking Jocelyn. She's rich. She can get you anywhere, and she's gorgeous. Like spiky hairstyle to the side. Like I'm going with Jocelyn. I need. I don't. I need. I need some girls in my life when it, okay. when it comes to road trips. I don't I don't want to be with a bunch of smelly dudes. Um, if I'm not going to pick... If I, hey, the worst, for me, I think Kate's a superior choice. I To me, I feel like, no, she would annoy me way okay. too much. <laughs> I'm going Jocelyn. But if I had to pick right. someone who I didn't want to, I mean, I don't want to go with someone as handsome as Heath, as Heath Ledger because he's just <laughs> going to get all the attention. Um, Paul Bettany is first, he's naked when you first meet him, and I just don't want to hang out with a naked dude. Um, but I'm gonna pick uh, 
Count Adamar because he's the kind of guy who goes, hey, I, I got a great playlist. We're going to listen to a whole trip. You're like, okay. And it's Imagine Dragons and Nickelback. Oh, those are boy. Those are the playlist. Oh, boy. What? How and, do you- I like them, but I don't know if I want to spend the whole trip listening to them. More oh, like no. Creed and Nickelback. There's some Creed in there, yeah. It may I be some am, um... So, you know what, guys? I really love, you know, just gambling on sports. <laughs> over under trying to trying to get the line i lost a gambling debt to um former uh former you know well actually current li- still listens and uh we'll get him get it back on on phil he beat me uh in our season-long nfl betting last year uh so some would say i'm a degenerate gambler so you know what there's misery among company company among misery I'm taking Jeffrey Chaucer. We're going to roll up to Vegas. We're going to hit up the Caesar Sportsbooks. And we're going to walk away with... Naked somewhere in the... We're going to be in the fucking Red Rock somewhere. Strung up by our toes. And I'm just going to look at Chaucer and I'm like, Hey, bro, you better write some shit that we can sell to get out of this situation. Hell no, I'm gambling. I'm going. I'm go- going to Vegas my guy Chaucer. I don't gamble on the games like the, you know, blackjack, poker, what have you. No, nah, I'm just sports book. There we go. Awesome. Losing all my money. Cool. At least I have somebody who's going to tell some funny stories along the way. I got to agree with Ray. I'm not going with Heath Ledger. Dude's too fucking handsome. He's going to take all the women. Nah. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be in Vegas. I'm trying to gamble. You know, I'm trying to live the high roller life. All Heath Ledger has to do is walk through. He pulls everybody to him. No, man. I'm just trying to have a good time. Make some money, lose some money, meet some people, not just lose money and women. So, <laughs> no Heath Ledger. Cannot do it. All right. No. So, oh, Rotten Tomatoes game. Rotten Tomatoes. Rotten Tomatoes, it's the Rotten Tomatoes game. All right, Rotten Tomatoes game. Who was our winner last week? Was it Seth? I think so. I think I won. I was shocked that I won. You're shocked every time you win because we (laughs) hate humanity. So Yeah, it was one of those wins. Jordan. What did this movie get on Rotten Tomatoes, and why? Plenty too, by the way. I'm gonna get on this fucking board, just so y'all know. All right. Ah, ooh, this one's a tough one. I do feel like it was rather likable, but I don't see critics going crazy over it. So I am going to go with a solid 78 on it. Okay, 78. Ray. What did this movie get on? That is quite a face. That's a good pick because, oh, but I do. uh, So this is one of those movies where if you don't like it, you're just not a fan of movies. Um, (laughs) but at the same time, it's not a movie that gets like a a 98 or something. So like, because when you give a movie in the 90s, you're talking like Godfather and stuff, right? Um, so I just, Yorton kind of picked my my range. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna price this right. I'm just gonna 
go in a different direction. I want to say 90. Just why not? Oh, 90. okay. All right. Seth, what did this movie get and why? Okay, so there's two, re- two things that guide my thinking for this. The first one is that when it first came out, I remember it not getting a lot of box office and we could be I could be wrong about this but I remember a lot of people not going to see this movie and it getting a lot more stuff that like after the fact like it's has like a cult following more than it does I think actually more than anything yeah and I also look I don't have faith in humanity I don't think critics likes this movie because I think critics work I just I don't see them liking this movie despite the fact that this movie is freaking fantastic and I think it's because it's meant to be charming and not serious that people didn't like it however i do think enough people liked it that made it fresh so i was gonna say 75 but that feels very very close to jordan and that feels a little too i don't know it feels too close right so i'm gonna go <laughs> i'm gonna do the opposite of ray and i'll go lower but i can't go too low because i i I'm, I'm gonna say 70 because i just can't see it i can't be lower than i mean it can't be so it has to be at least passing. I don't oh know. my goodness. 70? Yeah. 70. Yeah. Okay. Let me tell y'all. The audience gave this movie a 79. Okay. I am disappointed by the audience score, y'all. 79? <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. yeah. This movie's in the 90s. Audience, what are y'all thinking? But... Seth, you still had too much faith in humanity. Because critics gave this movie a 59. No, I didn't. No. Can Can someone double check his work? A Knight's Tale. No. A whopping 59. No, it didn't. You get all the sad wins there, Seth. (laughs) That's not true. You had way too much faith. You won, but you had too much faith again. Uh, he's right. No, he's rotten. 79 audience certified. Rotten. What the hell? 59. Oh. Can I say? Hold on. Can I? Can I say? Uh, Roger Ebert gave this movie three out of four stars. And I'm just gonna read the first paragraph. He Go says ahead. what we all think. It is possible, I suppose, to uh, no. Um, hold on. I lost it. Um, okay, some will say the movie breaks tradition by telling a medieval story with a soundtrack of classic rock. They might well, as well argue it breaks the rules by setting a 1970s rock opera in the Middle Ages. To them, I advise, who cares? A few days after seeing this movie, I saw Baz Luhrmann's Moulin Rouge, which was selected to open whatever, blah, blah, blah. In the case of A Knight's Tale, um, uh, anyway, he just praises the music and he ends up saying the movie has an innocence and charm that grows on you. It's a reminder of the days before films got so cynical and unrelentingly violent. A Knight's Tale is whimsical, silly, romantic, and seeing it after the mummy returns is like taking Tums after <laughs> eating the mummy. So I just hey, I like that. I fucked with the mummy returns. Take that back, Roger. Hey, um, wait. This on this <laughs> thing it says and calls this an edgy medieval tale. A slightly edgy tale. Did this strike you as edgy in any way when no. you are watching this? It was pretty pointy. I mean, <laughs> no. Edgy? No. Did edge change during like 
after 2000 or something. <laughs> I mean, the mid-2000s, that was like prime edgelord type stuff. I mean, that's where Zack Snyder got his whole shtick from. But, like, this is not, this was not edgy. I never watched this movie, not one time, and thought, wow, they're trying to be edgy. Never. Yeah, no. Nah, me uh, gravelly voice Batman to pop out out of nowhere, and then I'm at home. Um, I'm just saying, I hate when movie. I win this game. I'm just throwing it out there. I hate when I win. <laughs> I'm always irritated afterwards. <laughs> I'm never like, yes, I won. What, what the hell? Seth picked the 70 and still won because he happened to have the lowest score. Well, and I would have been even more off because I was going to go with like a straight 75, but I didn't want to be too close to Jordan because I, I didn't want to like, you know, I wanted to have some distance, but I couldn't go that low. I was like, and I just went low because I thought, oh, yeah, I think it's going to turn some critics off here and, you know, the offbeat. What the I hell? thought it would at least have been fresh, <laughs> you know? I just wanted, that's why I was like, I, I can't go, I mean, like the lowest I can go is 70. And I mean, I personally think it, I would have thought the audience score was up near 90 or yeah, like no like again should have been up there where ray was well so we are down to the end we're gonna see if we recommend this movie or not so yeah bask in your glory of winning rotten tomatoes would you recommend <laughs> this movie to a friend yes and i would also like to say this is why sometimes you should not listen to critics ever because what or audience score apparently this movie is not, not great <laughs> yeah the, just don't go in expecting to see like the last duel go in expecting to have like just a fun charming time and you are gonna love this movie and i would recommend this actually one of the few movies i don't even have like a little disclaimer to like only this certain type of people everyone should watch this movie at least once ray it's a comfort movie this is a movie that Anytime it's on TV, you kind of just leave it on the channel. It's a movie you have on in the background all the time. It's a movie every time you watch it, you're like, oh, yeah, I forgot about this. It's fun. It's a great time. Recommend it. I'm going to spoil my pick and say this is an easy Hall of Famer for me because I've seen it probably like 12 times already. Oh, yeah. Jordan? Yeah, I recommend it to everybody. That... Apparently, we need to recommend it to more people and have them vote on the Rotten Tomatoes to get that audience score what up. We could do that. <laughs> what if we can get it fresh? <laughs> hey, like I'm, I need to apply to be the official critic to uh, get the movie fucking fresh because this you know, like everyone, you listen to it the Ringer at all these other websites, you know, like Five Thirty One, just these websites <laughs> that are like have official journalists and stuff. Just hey, please go review this movie for me real quick and just <laughs> try to get it updated. Fucking insane! So. Uh, of course, I'm recommending this movie. I'm not a idiot. Uh, Hall of Fame, Jordan. Oh yeah, easy. It has to be a Hall of Fame for me because I've lost count of how many times I've seen this movie, and that's our that's our big criteria. So, yep, no ifs, ands, or buts. Seth. Uh, yes, it meets every single criteria because I've watched it multiple times. I'll still love it. Uh, quote it, everything, and if it comes on on TV, this one. I would probably actually stop and if not watch the whole dang movie, at least watch a good chunk until commercial break. I mean, it's and probably stay to watch the next things or just start on my own. Uh, it's a great movie. Easy, easy Hall of Fame. I mean, for me, there are even some scenes in this movie that if my wife is in labor, future wife is in labor, sorry, future wife, I will walk out of the room to watch a few of these scenes 
specifically <laughs> uh and ironically and it's also terrible the the initial the introduction to jeffrey chaucer that scene when they're having that philosophical discussion it's just i like that's one of the scenes that is engraved in my brain so Thought hell twice. yeah jeffrey chaucer's naked butt you're gonna have to wait all right yeah. <laughs> hold her in hold the kid in um no hall of fame all four of us recommend and vote it into the hall of fame please watch this movie please go review this movie apparently because 79 is a travesty they didn't even get me started on critics 59 please fix this audience have we thought about what we're gonna do if we have a tiebreaker like if we're yeah. tied at two and two i think I was just thinking that we go. We have to have a three, or no. Go. Let's have fun. Let's have Jared call <sighs> Phil up on the spot and be like Phil. Oh, yeah. Yes. Like uh, what? What? what Want to be a millionaire? Like the yeah, phone of friends. Friend, yes, <laughs> hey, but... And Jared, you can't lead him in any direction. Be like, look, we're having an argument. Do you think a Knight's Tale belongs in the Blockbuster Hall of Fame? And his answer is a tiebreaker. Yeah, I like fun. it. That that is so. Night Sale and the Blockbuster Hall of Fame, y'all. Like I said, please go review it. Fix the audience score. Next week we are recording over Brokeback Mountain. So this was one of his final films and one that solidified him. Like not only like the role as the Joker he won the award for, but like this film like solidified him as a force in hollywood so we're gonna review that and talk about it and uh i'm actually excited to see what we all think about it um directed by ang lee um jake gyllenhaal is really good in there so is obviously heath ledger so yeah no excited to talk about that next week it's gonna be a very different tone because it is a very different movie um, so thank you guys for listening we appreciate y'all hundred episode hundredth episode coming up we were still trying to workshop what we're going to do for it. Um, it's going to end up with probably Seth and I yelling at Ray about The Shining. Um, but, you know. Watch Street Fighter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I'm also good with that. Yes. Street or Fighter. I may not be on the 100th episode then in that case. No, I'm just um, joking. No, thank you guys so much for I'm listening. Just... We'll catch you all next week. Bye.